Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the Power, to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill their promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envy. 
obvious eyes. Perception is the key, and the heart yeah. is the solution. Heart perception will change everything. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you're tuned in to The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. Find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. And check out our website at www.thesecretteachings.info for the show archive, the montages, top news stories, my books, and more. And also check out fringe.fm, the network website. That's fringe.fm, where you can listen to the Fringe FM stream 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 12 months out of the year, and download the free Fringe FM app so that you have the Fringe FM accessible on your phone. A couple days ago, because we did not do a show last night, we had a best of, as we do every week, one of our five new shows a week is a best of. As uh, we move to do more and uh, more radio on the Secret Teachings and on the Fringe FM, I try to make this my my full time job, and we're just about there with the amount of support we've gotten through the Fringe and through the Secret Teachings. So I sincerely appreciate all of the subscriptions and the books and everything that you guys have done to support this show over the last couple of months, let alone the last couple of years, going on eleven years now here in twenty twenty one. So last night, we did not have a show that was new, but we did have a replay. And the night before that, I kind of wasted uh, i wasted a little bit of my afternoon. I spent about an hour solid. It was a good solid hour, probably, I don't know, 15 or 20 additional minutes kind of tuning in and out. And I was playing with my, my son, Fox. He was running around. And uh, I wasted it watching the... House, the U.S. House, the U.S. Congress debate impeachment on the president. And tonight is not one of those shows, but I just wanted to relate my feelings and why we're going to shift gears into a different subject. I watched this thing, and as you know, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat, but as I'm watching this, I'm watching like nine out of ten Republicans stand up and speak somewhat eloquently calm, cool, collected. They were within their time given. They were respectful, most of them. And minus, you know, a handful of Democrats, all of these Democrats were like fist pumping and finger pointing and raising their voices and going over their time and shouting even after the chairperson told them, you know, your time is up. You know, you have to leave the podium. This is how we keep things civil. And, I mean, there was, like, a Republican who did the same thing, but it was just weird because all the Democrats were repeating, like, the exact same line, like they were reading the same script. Like, every Republican who got up had a different argument for why the protest wasn't as big of a deal as they're claiming it was, and all the Democrats were getting up there and just regurgitating the same exact thing. And so I started to think, you know, in the last four years, all we've really learned, at least all I've really learned, is how easy it is, more so than I ever thought, how easy it is for media to whip people in groups into a frenzy with repeated rhetoric over and over and over again 
So much so that it doesn't matter if you have evidence or proof, but it's been repeated so many times, even if you personally aren't repeating it, but if you hear it, you start to believe that it's true. You can call it whatever you want. You can call it propaganda. You can call it psych warfare. You can call it gaslighting, which all of that, I think, applies. But it's just over and over again, this repeated rhetoric, and people are ripped up into a frenzy. And we started this week out with a show called People Are Smart, or excuse me, A Person Is Smart, People Are Dumb. And I stand by that that statement. It's a quote from uh, the movie Men in Black. A person is smart, but people are dumb, panicky animals, and you know it. And the reason that that applies to politics, obviously, is because we can have as individuals a conversation. But when you're whipped up into a frenzy as a group, then a group of people are usually pretty dumb. They don't really think because they're utilizing the, the group think, the hive mind, to think for them. And it doesn't matter if it's on the left with their race and sex whistles or it's on the right with a lot of their QAnon stuff or their QA nonsense crap and their belief that Trump is some god. So that that is one of the most irritating things to me the people that like photoshop Trump's head on Rambo and give him like a 50 caliber machine gun and put him on like a giant pickup truck on the back of a aircraft carrier like that old Wendy's commercial. It's just ridiculous. And then you got these these spooks like Pachinik who says that oh, don't worry, you know, we have the inauguration, Trump will be president again. It's just a bunch of people that are delusional. It doesn't matter if it's on the right or left. We've, we've learned the power of media in manifesting artificial framed realities that are filled with fallacies, non-contextual evidence, or the lack of any kind of evidence at all, and even made-up evidence. And we've learned uh, of a dangerous double standard that exists on both sides, but particularly on one side that's more whipped up into a frenzy than the other. And we've been told, uh, you know, that election fraud can only occur if a Democrat loses. Violence on the left is protected as a right, but protests on the other side of any kind are not only violent, they're actually insurrection and they're always about white supremacy. I mean, we've watched the Constitution be ignored and overridden while constantly being invoked as if those that are performing the summoning understand it any more than those who are invoking it to manipulate the person or the group of people that they've invoked it to manipulate. Uh, We've watched all of this occur censorship enacted by those unelected people who feel that they are in possession of uh, you know, the, the turnkey to decide what is accepted free speech or content, let alone what is fact or reality. And this whole sad state of affairs is really a result of the lack of enforcing law and order, dangerous and very pathetic rhetoric on both sides, and this disgusting race and sex-based politics mixed with greed for power by those people that are small and those people that are large in terms of those that are, you know, representatives in government or wherever, whomever they might be, uh, a result of uh, really no understanding or very little understanding of history, a disdain for America or for the concepts of freedom and liberty, and an inability to be objective. And that, I think, kind of sums it up. And I was thinking a lot about that, and I really wanted to shift gears into a different subject and try to work away from uh, politics and parapolitics as, as, as much as is possible, considering what's going to happen next week with the inauguration. And I was thinking about framed realities and how media creates these framed realities, right? And I was thinking about things like scrying, where you look into a black 
mirror, usually made of like volcanic uh, rock or obsidian stone, the black mirrors. You look into these black mirrors and it depends on, you know, the intention. You might look into the mirror to talk to, uh, uh, you know, your subconscious or a higher self or some spirit, right? Or polish a, a certain kind of mirror and you might talk to an angel if you invoke an angel. There's different, you know, grimoires that show you how to do this. And our framed reality comes about as a result of the projection that others utilize, you know, television and, and all forms of media and how they're distributed through TVs and through computers and through phones and tablets, which are all, when you turn them off, black mirrors. It's like the, uh, the, the, the soundbite from the TV show Black Mirror that we play coming into the third segment of the show at the top of the hour, bottom of the second hour, where um, uh, the guy says, you know, you ref- the real reflection, the real you is only seen once the screen goes black. Once that screen goes off, that's the real you. All that stuff online, that's not you. All the phone messaging and the Instagram and the Twitter and the parlor and the Gab and the Facebook, none of that's the real you. That's a digital version of yourself. It's, it's a bad copy. It's a bad reflection of yourself. It's not really you. I mean, no matter how kind and how you you really are on those platforms, on social media, it's not the real you. And when that screen goes dark, you look into the black mirror and you see the real you. That's you. That's who you are. And you see the reflection of self. And you look into your eyes like you might in a bathroom mirror. And you see into your soul. And some people neglect or refuse to do that because they know that they don't know thyself. And if they don't know thyself, they create a fake self, a a persona. They put on a, a, a literal now. But uh, they put on a symbolic mask, which is what the persona is. The persona is a mask of the true self. It's the outward external projection of who you are and, and what you are and what you believe and, and, and how, you, how you feel, uh, your emotions and all the things that encompass what you are as a, as a person, uh, which includes the the. the elemental qualities of the individual uh, we all have the, the the seven steps of jacob's ladder if you will or the seven spheres of consciousness in us we have you know fingernails and teeth that's the mineral body right and we have the reptilian brain that's the animal and then of course sexual desire for sexual desire only is the animal body and then you have consciousness and awareness which is the demigod and god body you know, your nervous system is like the plant body. We have all this in us, and then you have, you know, we are human in, in, in between that. It goes mineral, and then you have plant, and then you have animal, and then you have human. And then it goes up into demigod and God consciousness. And if you've studied Rosicrucianism, you know this. And if you've studied Rosicrucianism, you may have heard the story told in a different way. Uh, or you've read it in like a fairy tale book or something, but there's a there's a practice. Uh, Rosicrucians, some of them, I, I I'm not I've actually never talked to um, a Rosicrucian about this, but I've read a lot that Rosicrucians have a have a belief or have a practice, and it's just it, it's probably more symbolic than anything. 
uh, of putting the body after death into what is effectively a glass coffin so that you can see the body decay in the coffin. That might seem like a morbid thing, but everything in the natural world is a reflection of everything else. If you look at the Seal of Solomon, for example, you see the Auroboros, the snake eating its own tail, right? And that snake represents eternity, bonding. It's like a wedding ring, right? So it's a wedding. You're wedding things together. It's a solidifying of something. That's what we call Wednesday Wedness Day because it's wedding the rest of the days together. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's Wedness Day. We're wedding the week together. And this snake kind of weds the the universe together. It, it weds creation together. It's the great serpent Leviathan, right? And in the middle of that, you have the seal of Solomon, which encompasses the four elements in the six-pointed hexagram. That's kind of redundant, isn't it? Six-pointed hexagram. It's six-pointed star, but it is a hexagram. And then you have the white god and the black god. And the white god reflects off of the waters that were created off of creation, and that is what is below the infernal, and then that which is above is the macrocosmic, and that is the, 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 the divine realm. And so you have this reflection of God on earth. We are reflections of God. We are reflections of the divine in certain states of awareness and states of consciousness and the dimensions of the body, which are very beautifully, I guess you could say, designed geometrically. You start looking at all that and you realize like this world, our world, the physical world is a manifestation through the higher spheres, which is what they believe in Kabbalah. It's what they believe in uh, most mystical uh, segments of religion, whether that's Christianity, which is Gnosticism and Christianity or Sufism and Islam, or you have, uh, um, I guess, Kabbalah is mystical Judaism. A lot of Judaism seems mystical. A lot of Christianity, all, all of it seems really mystical when you think about it. At least that's how I feel. But it's a reflection. And that's why in masonry, for example, they have the reflecting pool because you look at yourself and then you reflect upon yourself. And that's the importance and that's the significance of, of what the mirror represents, right? And the mirror uh, projects back to you. It, it shows you things that are imaginative, things that are conscious. Uh, in the same way that the eyes are the mirror of the soul or the gateway to the soul, um, they convey your soul to the conscious external world. And so you can look into somebody's eyes and you can see their soul in the sense. And this is kind of the idea of where taking a picture and how that steals your soul, um, it's not just like a very primitive belief, like the very... I'd, I'd call them advanced, uh, for all intents and purposes, the very advanced Celtic peoples, the various Celtic peoples. And I imagine the Druids probably believed this. That was like their mystic priest class. Uh, that They also believed that the soul was taken if there was some replicated image of, of the person you know made, which is kind of where the idea of um, you know fetishes comes from in, in voodoo and the voodoo doll and... Uh, and, you know, the, the, the broken mirror and what that represents, the broken soul, spirit, self. There are other myths and legends about this. But, you know, if you break a mirror, you're supposed to cover it in like a cloth and buried in the ground. So the bad reflections are buried and kept in the dark. And so you don't have that bad luck. 
But I just, you start looking through all this and you start realizing like when we consume media and we watch what people are projecting towards us, we're looking into these black mirrors and our reality is being created for us. And I know that might seem very, very, for some of you, it might seem very simple. It might seem very much of, of, of an overstatement or an understatement, I guess, depending on your perspective. But it really is the medium by which we interpret and, and perceive our world through, through monitors now, through we're always looking at mirrors. It, it's not just something that like in, 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 let's say, in ancient times or even a few hundred years ago, you had to be wealthy to own a mirror or you had to you had to have some kind of status to have a mirror, whether it was a handheld mirror like in China, which is representative of truth um, and you know honesty and things like that, just basic things that a mirror represents. It represents reflection. Therefore, it is lunar in nature. It is feminine in nature. It is fluid in nature. You put all this stuff together, and you realize when you look into that mirror, right, and you ask that mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? The mirror in the myth, and the legend, the mirror cannot lie. The mirror has to tell you the truth. That's the legend, at least, of the magic mirror on the wall. The legend has to tell the queen the truth. The legend says that the mirror cannot lie. The mirror has to be honest. So the mirror describes in the, in the, the story of Snow White, which is an old uh, German fairy tale published in 1812 by the Brothers Grimm. Uh, it was originally called Sneewitchen. The, the, the Snow White story, the mirror has to explain that the fairest lady in all the land, the fairest person, is actually Snow White, who has the red lips and the, the pale skin, skin as, as white as snow, which represents purity, like the white rose. And that purity can be seen going back to, well, Snow White, Sneewitchen, in the glass coffin. Um, there's a painting, I'm not sure the exact medium, maybe an oil paint, but there's a painting done by Alexander Zick, uh, it was about Sneewitchen, about Snow White, and you can see the dwarves, and they're standing around uh, the, the the beautiful lady inside of the glass coffin, just like the Rosicrucian concept. And it's also Masonic. It's kind of like part of the mystery schools and the secret teachings and the secret societies. And it, it shows you the purity of the soul as the body is preserved, or the body is, is, you could look at it a lot of different ways, the body is preserved, the body decays, the soul is pure, the soul lives on, or the, 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 the remainder of the body that is, that is here after death, there's a purity to it. it is, it's not active, there are no desires. Um, you could look at it from the point of view that the coffin itself represents the material world, like Osiris in Egypt. And when the soul is put into the coffin, it is, it is encased, and we use this body as a vessel and the body, when we sleep, there is purity. And then when we awaken and we interact, there is necessary evil and desires which breed discontent. And it is the apple that Eve ate in the garden that led to the desires, whether sexual or otherwise, that led to the downfall of man, which, based on the cycles of the seasons, we would just call that the fall. We would call that the black horse that brings the pale horse, that then brings the white horse, that then brings the red horse. This is the fall the winter, the spring, and the summer as the wheel of the year turns. And what you see, if you study those stories and you look at the mythology and the folklore and the fairy tales, 
you see concealed in this, this incredible uh, history, uh, this incredible uh, archetypical storytelling that communicates to us on a very deep level, and it does it in a way where it can just be presented as a fun Disney cartoon, right? And sometimes those cartoons are kind of scary for kids, but in Snow White, you know, she eats what? Or the, the witch gives her the poisoned apple. And the poisoned apple is the apple of desire. It is the apple that Eve eats in the garden. There's the same archetype. Snow White is pure. Then there's the apple, the poison. And some of you uh, may recall some shows that we've done or... You've read my book, The Technological Elixir, where I talk about a lot of this stuff. It's not just about technology, where we look at the new poisoned apple, and that is the, the, the apple of uh, technological elixir. That's the name of the book, but it's a technological elixir. It's a, a desire for immortality, right? It's a desire for the, the mind of God, which Eve was tempted by the serpent. You will be like God. You will see things like God if you eat of this apple, if you eat of this tree. But it's all a lie. You'll be given eternal life and you'll be able to live, you know, indefinitely forever and you'll have, you know, a utopia and never be sick again and all this stuff that were promised by the technocrats and it's just a big poison apple. And it doesn't matter if it's happening in 2021 or it's a story in the Brothers Grimm or it's when you go into your bathroom and look into your mirror. All of it, as above, so below, it's all concealed in these symbols It's a singularity of consciousness and symbology. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this on Black Mirror Mirror on the Wall this Friday night on The Fringe FM. Don't go anywhere. There's more after this. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. For all of you who supported The Secret Teachings in 2020, I want to sincerely say thank you. And to begin 2021, here in the month of Janus, the year of the ox, and the year of revelations, you can still subscribe to our entire show archive while getting access to the montages and all of my digital books, the old and new. You'll also get a free physical copy of one of my books shipped in the United States for free, autographed if you'd like. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe option at the top of the page. You get the archive, montages, digital books, and a physical book for only $40. You can also use this deal to renew your subscription for another year. Use the website or our PayPal email, rdgable at yahoo.com. You can also use this email if you have any questions or to reach out to us for any reason. Your support helps guide the show, the network, and yourself. And we look forward to another year of The Secret Teachings right here on The Fringe FM. My name is Alex Exum, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. 
Why listen to the Fringe FM? We are your number one source for talk radio the mainstream media won't touch. Joe Root brings you everything occult with Lighting the Void. Ryan Gables shatters paradigms with esoteric knowledge on the secret teachings. Gigi and Cortana explore the inner workings of our reality with Shift Happens. Jess of the Rogue Report brings you years of research to explore the hidden facts behind alternative topics. And myself, Alex Exum of Live Talk, the so-called Joker in the deck. We are the Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash the secret teachings. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show. You can find me at Truth Frequency Radio or on my home website, www.kevbakershow.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. The truth is out there. And so are we. KTLK. Digital Broadcasting. The Fringe FM. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Broadcasting somewhere between that which is above and that which is below. It's KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. This is David Icke, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. It's time you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Freedom is the privilege to be right. On The Secret Teachings, we use history and anthropology, magic and esotericism, and even a little bit of nutrition and comedy mixed with some great guests to examine our world and beyond. For 10 years, we've used occultism and symbols to bring you a unique and objective look at the past, present, and future. Join us by tuning in Monday through Friday to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, exclusively new right here on The Fringe FM, www.thesecretteachings.info. host Ryan Gable and you're listening to the secret teachings on the fringe FM Monday through Friday at the same time right here on the fringe fringe.fm the secret teachings.info tonight it's black mirror mirror on the wall mirrors are the means by which we view our reality of the past the present and the future and unlike magic mirrors and myth and fairy tales that cannot tell lies Modern mirrors, particularly black mirrors like televisions and phones, are portals for artificially constructed framed realities that are anything except true. And these mirrors have become doorways into an upside-down world of confusion, pain, suffering, etc., etc. 
in preventing us from seeing our true reflection, uh, the image of the true self. And because we don't see the true self, we see this vain, corrupt shell. And like Narcissus, the Greek figure who was so handsome and so lovely that he fell in love with his own image in a reflective pool of water, so much so that even the, the, the nymph Echo could not manage to tempt him away from his own self-absorption. Uh, this, unfortunately, is how a lot of us go through our lives. It's not that we're self-absorbed with our own beauty, but we're self-absorbed by the reflection of what we perceive is who we are through our identifications of you know, politics or religion or status or class or you know, whatever it might be that makes us us. That's the societal reflection of who we are. And we see it in magazines and we see it in TV and we see it in movies and television. And we might even see it in music videos and hear it in music. And it's in books and it's everywhere in newspapers. It's everywhere we look. It's on social media. The vain, decaying, framed, artificially constructed reality and self that we become absorbed in like narcissus, which of course is where we get the word narcissist, self-absorption from. It's Greek, narcissus. So when we can step away from those mirrors and we can look into a true mirror and see our true reflection, it allows us to recognize thyself and it allows us to grow and it allows us to become something more than this, this empty shell that is uh, essentially rotting away while our consciousness remains trapped inside. Uh, when we're doing nothing at all to expand our minds, our, our, our consciousness, our awareness, our, our, our self, uh, we're doing nothing to grow. Uh, we become stagnant like that pool of water that Narcissus in the myth is staring at because he can't take his eyes off himself. He's so self-absorbed. That even when, when uh, the lovely nymph Echo comes to, to seduce him or comes to offer him a companionship, he just ignores it, doesn't even recognize it because he's so self-absorbed. And I think that's unfortunately something that a lot of us succumb to. Um, it's not like an overall you know life decision, but individual decisions in our daily lives where we're kind of absorbed in that and we we miss you know uh, the world around us we miss nature we miss those little moments that you know might be important with uh with uh you know your kid or with a loved one or with family or with again with nature maybe even your pet uh that's what these stories mean that's what they convey it doesn't mean you know unfortunately i'd say unfortunately like a lot of people might hear that story and think like this was just some guy who looked in the water and thought he was really handsome and well, that's, yeah, sure, on the surface, but underneath of it, the different layers, it, it conveys something about the psyche. It conveys something about the consciousness and the subconsciousness. It conveys something that, that is uh, communicated to us through symbols through, to the subconscious. Uh, and it's in that subconscious state. You know, a lot of people, when they go to sleep, they, they ask themselves questions. And then the subconscious will, uh, some people do this through dreaming, um, answer those questions without the the weight of the physical world and the conscious mind uh, overriding and overloading the subconscious, which is trying to speak, but it's overridden by all the noise, the various kinds and various forms of noise. 
And when we go to sleep and we're in that subconscious state, um, some people can lucid dream. Some people can astral project. Some people can, I've never done it, but I guess walk in the ethereal. Uh, Some people can, I, I don't really remember much of my dreams at all, but some people say they do a lot of stuff when they dream, and I, I, I don't doubt it. I think that um, it's an, it is another state of consciousness. Call it subconsciousness, but it's another state of consciousness. And one might argue that the subconscious is more real than the conscious mind. I mean, the conscious mind is always trying to, trying to catalog and trying to identify and trying to organize and trying to, trying to put things into a category. And the subconscious mind can do all that in, in a single symbol. The subconscious mind can do all that and, and project all that as a mere reflection of the true self externally. And I think it's really the subconscious that is responsible for things like, I'd even argue for things like deja vu. I think the subconscious is responsible for things like like when we, we have a feeling, uh, like an intuition. Uh, the subconscious, I think, is responsible for that. I don't think it's something paranormal. Uh, or parapsychological, I, I think it's at, at at I guess if we had to define it, I guess at a, at at a definition, we would say it's more just about basic human psychology. Um, you know, people like Carl Jung are probably some of the most one of the most famous writers on things like that. Uh, but that's what's conveyed in these myths. That's what they mean. And the subconscious speaks in symbols, and so we look at symbols and. To a lot of people, the symbol is just, it's just that. It, it might mean something to them because of their religion or because of, you know, their, their political affiliation or whatever. You know, like a swastika, white supremacists and Republicans. Or you might see a pentagram, oh, that's witchcraft and devil worship for Christians. And, you know, so, something to that effect. But when you look beyond that and you look into the deeper layers, there's a meaning that why these symbols are so important. And one, one symbol that, you know, a symbol that's not a pentagram, a symbol that's not a an ankh, it's not a cross, it's not a crescent star and moon, it's not a hexagram that affects us in so many ways and has so many incredible uh, stories to tell, is the mirror. The mirror, just as a word, uh, how we mirror things, like how our children mirror us, like my son mirrors what I do. He is a reflection of me. And, you know, parents will say that, right? You know, they, they're upset that their kids misbehaved or they tell their kids like, well, you're, you're a, that's a poor reflection on me, you know, because you did that or you didn't listen or you didn't sit down when I told you to or you, you know, you made a mess. That's a bad reflection on me as a parent. The children reflect on the parents. The parents reflect on the children. You know, you reflect on your animals. You reflect on your coworkers. You reflect on everything. You know, you reflect on the world around you. It reflects on you. Everything is about mirrors and reflection. It's about obtaining... Uh, understanding. Um, and when we, likewise, when we polish a mirror, when we clean a mirror, we can see things more clearer, right? We can see things maybe in a less distorted way. So that's a very similar uh, relationship to the, uh, to the unfinished pyramid and, and, the, and the individual tasks that we do that are bricks in the construction of the societal temple or the temple of the self. And then each more perfected self becomes a brick in the societal or the, you know, the cultural or the, the temple of, of our you know, organized society and civilization. It becomes another brick. We become another brick in that temple. Uh, and that is the temple of, uh, of what some people refer to as the, 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 you know, the temple of God, uh, the temple of uh, the kingdom of heaven, 
Um, that's why these these metaphors and parables and allegories and myths and that's why all this is so important and why it means so much and why after hundreds and hundreds or thousands of years for for some stories they still have significance they're still powerful you know like uh sleeping beauty or snow white or rapunzel or whatever it might be they're still really important today because they speak to the subconscious i mean when you you look at a movie i mentioned in the first uh the first segment, or at least an old story, uh, published in 1812 by the Brothers Grimm under the title of Schneewittchen, is the story of Snow White. And in the story of Snow White, which has two incredibly important archetypical symbols that are very, very powerful, you have the mirror, the magic mirror that cannot lie, and then you have the, uh, the apple, right? And so in the story of Snow White, uh, again published in 1812, you have the white, which signifies purity, uh, and the apple consumed in this story represents knowledge of the divine self, which is poisoned by the desire of the infernal world, or the infernal self. And, and here we can understand that life is the expression of divinity in an attempt to know thyself, or to know itself. And through expression of the divine, we find that he, him, the capital H, is the I am. We are the I am. We are the capital I am. Uh, it's the Edenic serpent uh, that is wisdom uh, achieved through hardship. So the serpent is a necessary evil. I don't like how a lot of Christians and hardcore, hardcore religious folk always, they, they just like, they repel any notion that the serpent plays a significant role. But the, the serpent plays one of the most critical roles. It's not that the serpent is good and other people worship the serpent and they think it's cool. I got a serpent tattooed on me. I'm a Satanist. I'm a Luciferian. People think that's cool. Okay, fine. But that's that's not it doesn't mean that the serpent's better or worse. The serpent is a necessary evil because if it's not for the serpent and if it's not for Eve eating that apple, then she's unable to reflect on herself. Adam is unable to reflect on himself. And therefore, if they're unable to reflect on themselves, they can't grow and become something more. You might say, well, they were perfect. The Garden of Eden was perfect. Well, sure, it was a reflection of God. But in order for God to understand and for God to know and for God to grow and, and for us to have these experiences, there has, to be, there has to be fault because it's only through fault that we learn. If you go about making mistakes and nobody, nobody ever corrects you on your mistakes, you're never going to learn anything. And this is kind of a divine version of that, right? So the, the, the serpent is wisdom, but it's only wisdom achieved through the fault and through faults and through incorrections, we learn, we hopefully don't make the same mistakes again, and then we grow and we become something else. We become something hopefully better by some standard. Uh, in the story of Snow White, you have the seven dwarfs, which are associated with the seven sins, the seven virtues of the seven gates of consciousness, which are perceived as demons, which kind of rip you apart at death, or kind of like the gates of the underworld in Egypt. Uh, there's this necessary evil and these, these demons that rip you apart are ripping you apart as a necessary evil. They're ripping you apart to put you back together. They're ripping you apart so that you can become whole once again. It's Again, it's a necessary evil. Um, the dwarves in the original story of Snow White didn't actually hold their modern names. They, they acquired these names later after publication of the original story in the early 1800s. Today we know them as Dopey. Happy, bashful, sleepy, grumpy, sneezy, and Doc, all of which share similarities with uh, um, the fairies in the Sleeping Beauty story, which are the seven planets, the seven classical planets, or 
and, and this is something interesting I just learned reading a, a book a couple of years ago. They actually relate to the seven um, Scandinavian earth demons, and I'll try to pronounce these. They're named Toki, Skavir, Var, Dune, Orin, Grur, and Rodsvid. I think it's Rodsvid is how you, how you pronounce it. So there's like these seven characters, whether they're in Sleeping Beauty or they're in Beauty and the Beast or they're in Scandinavian uh, mythology, they all represent the same thing. They represent the seven gates, the seven adornments, uh, the seven sins, the seven virtues, the seven rays of light, which come from an eighth point in the in the three-dimensional cube. Uh, and it's these, these associated, um, they might be planetary bodies. In Snow White, the dwarves are around Snow White, so she's like purity, the sun in the middle. The sun is pure. And the purity of Snow White when she's placed inside of the glass coffin, represents the purity of the soul after death, and the body is preserved, or the body preserved during life as it decays, and the whole of existence is the glass coffin, and then the soul is, in, is encased, it's entombed in the, in the body, which is the coffin itself. It's a coffin within a coffin. Um, a coffin within Malkuth, the bottom of the tree of life. And when we're able to um, through in Egypt, it was explained through magical practices. But when we're able to, through whether it's magical practices or self-reflection through the mirror, obtain an, a, a, a different understanding of thyself, we can open that tomb and we can escape from that tomb, which is what was symbolically, in a physical, literal sense, reenacted in the mystery schools in Greece, at Ulysses, or in Egypt, in, in um well, they did it in a lot of cities in Egypt. I, I'm not sure where they had the the the, uh, the original mysteries. Some people speculate, but you know, I've heard of mysteries in everywhere from uh, from the the up up in the main uh, Giza plateau with the Great Pyramid uh, to pretty much every city in e- every major city in Egypt probably had their own rites of initiation and things like that. And, you know, you look at these stories, and uh, like for example. You look at the story of like uh, uh, Aurora. This is another myth that most people have not heard of, but the name Aurora means, it's, in, it's Latin, it means goddess of dawn. Um, but the goddess of dawn, whether that's the, the, the golden locks of Goldilocks or it's the beauty of Sleeping Beauty, it represents a lot of different things. It kind of pays homage as a goddess, uh, part of a kingdom, uh, to the metaphoric use of kingdoms and kings and queens and the general royalty um, in relation to man's divine nature. And by man, we mean all mankind, because that's the original definition of the word. Mankind means all humans, not just men. Um, they have been uh, used, these these metaphors, um, and some of them, I guess, depending on how you view it uh, in, the, in the Christian terms, um, allegories, that have been used... Uh, as a religious hierarchy, right? You're putting on the armor of God. You're putting on that the, the sword of truth and the breastplate of protection from demons and devils. And it's all metaphoric. It's all symbolic. It's all mythological. It's all it's all about symbols, uh, like in Beauty and the Beast with the rose, which is initiation, and bell, which the ringing of the bell wards off demons. But the bell is harmony and music, and the harmony and music helps to awaken the divine inside of the beast. And the beast is really a prince encased in this. This animal body, which is the animal body, one of the seven different types of body. So all of that is in like a Disney movie. All of that is in a fairy tale. All of that is in a in a in, in folklore. It's in 
I guess to some extent, urban legends. It's in mythology. It's just all around us. But it can all be condensed into the symbol of the mirror as a reflection. It can all be condensed into a singular symbol. A, a symbol like the mirror represents imagination, consciousness. The eyes are the mirror of the soul, which they convey that consciousness outside of the body. Uh, the mirror is a reflector. So that's why in the mystery schools or in, we could call them the secret teachings, uh, the moon is known as the great reflector in the sky. And I think you can all figure that out because the moon reflects the sunlight, which is also um, in the morning time when Venus is brighter than the sun, it reflects the light of Venus. And the moon is the god Jehovah, and Venus is Lucifer. So Jehovah casts Lucifer to earth, or God casts down Lucifer or the devil to earth. And it's just astronomical, more so than it is a literal God throwing this angel to the earth. It's a reflection and it, it reflects the evil, which is what, in the 16th century, roughly, uh, nobody probably knows when it actually started, but roughly in the 16th, 17th century, there's a practice of, of something called, um, that people would create something called a witch ball. And a witch ball had a little mirror inside of it. It was a little glass ball, had a little mirror inside of it. And sometimes they put a piece of hair, but the witch ball was an ornament that they would put on trees or hang in their windows, part of the origin for ornaments on Christmas trees. And what it would do is like a jack-o'-lantern or like a Christmas light or a Yule log or a Beltane fire or an Imbolt candle or a Samhain fire or a, a Maybon fire, a Luknasad fire, a Letha fire. It, it helps to strengthen the light, ward off darkness and cold, which is obviously evil and hell, as Dante explains of hell as an ice palace more so than a fiery pit of burning sulfur and you know coal and th things like that. So the witch ball would reflect the evil. The sun and Venus reflect off the moon. And there are multiple kinds of reflections, right? So the sun is a divine reflection. Venus is a false reflection. It's not the real true light. That non-true, the, the untrue light, is what is reflected to us through our modern monitors that monitor us. It is reflected to us through media that is projected to us, that is reflected back on us from those that are attempting to sell us an idea or an image of reality that is very often not true. Uh, this is the black mirror that we spend so much of our life looking into, and it is only when the mirror goes black again can we see our true selves. And I mean this in a literal, psychological, spiritual, uh, like, the way that our brain works and can be exploited by these devices in, in a literal way. I mean, there, we, we've read on the show before, there are actual patents to take computer monitors and TV monitors and, and have the flicker rated a certain uh, way and have, the, I don't know how they do this techn technically, but to, to broadcast signals that, that literally can, I guess you could say, penetrate the brain and hijack the central nervous system. It's literal. There's patents for this for, you know, like I guess you could call it you could call it mind control. But if you if you were to go to the Internet and just type this in uh, for a patent, you can pull up uh, main like it's just it's not mainstream. It's just a main, you know, like a Google patent search. It's a U.S. patent 65061 48 B2. 
650614048B2. And there's basically mind control through the TV monitor. So it's not just like metaphoric. It's not just symbolic. It's literal mind control. Uh, that doesn't mean everything you watch is mind control. But that's the false reflection. That's the false Luciferian light, if you will. Um, Lucifer is an image of that falseness, but it's also necessary because once we see it for what it is, we can grow. And if we don't see it for what it is and there isn't something to see for what it is, we don't grow. We don't, we don't become anything. Um, therefore, the mirror itself has always been seen as a doorway for which the soul frees itself from this world where the, the soul can move into another world, into the other side. And so this is kind of the reasoning why there's a, uh, there's a, a, a tradition of when somebody dies or depending on the circumstances or the, the superstition, which is a word that means leftover traditions, you don't really know where they come from, uh, of covering up mirrors or turning mirrors when somebody dies or, again, depending on the superstition, because the mirror is a doorway. It's a portal, and the, the mirrors are reflections of the real world, and they show us truth. So the mirror is consciousness. The mirror is truth. The mirror is a doorway. The mirror is a portal. The mirror shows us the real world, and, and, and nowhere could this maybe be better summed up um, without using current events, if you will, or you know, mainstream media and social media as a representation of those dark elements in the, in the black mirror. But you could look at the Buddhist mirror of Dharma, for example which reveals causes of past actions. It reveals truth. Um, or the, 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 the wonderful story of, of Plato's cave, right? And the, and the people in the cave are looking at the reflect, reflections from the fire, the false light. They're looking at the reflections from the fire um, that's projecting these reflections on the wall, and they think that that is the real world. They think that uh, the, the, the shadows are the real world. If you look at it, you see that the fire is the torch of the devil lighting the infernal world, creating these illusions. You can see that in El Diablo in the tarot card, most tarot decks, the, um, the, uh, the classic uh, uh, white deck. So you have the fire, which is false light. That's the fire Prometheus brings to man. And then you have the reflections, which are the shadows, because we are the shadows of of, of a more divine, um, like we are beasts and there is a, we've been turned into beast and there is a divine prince or princess inside of us in a sense, right? And that's also the language of the day. We, we don't really talk about princes and princesses that much. There are still, you know, princes and princesses in the world today, hierarchy and lineage, lineage and things like that. Uh, but we have a different language today. So a lot of this is lost on us. But in Plato's cave, you have the false fire, the false light, the reflections in the cave, wall and then it's actually you know you realize that you're watching the shadows on the wall and they're cast on the wall by the spirit world uh, the inferior world is merely a mirrored reflection of the superior and, and 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 that's it and that's kind of like the basis for what we call the black god or the madonna right um which is described by eliphas levi in transcendental magic as such it's uh, Levi says, so long as the soul struggle, it is reasonable. When it yields to this species of invading intoxication, it becomes mad. To disentangle the direct ray and separate it from the reflection, such as the work of the initiate. In all things, the vulgar mind habitually takes shadow for reality. 
turns it back upon light and is reflected in the obscurity which it protects itself. So the goal of the magician, one of our goals, whether you're magicians or you're just an average person who don't, you don't think about magic in that way, your goal is to disentangle that direct ray and separate it from the reflection, which is the shadow on the wall of the cave, walk out of the cave and see the world for what it really is. And that's what happens when we turn off our black mirrors. That's what happens when we turn off our cell phones, our computers, our tablets, our televisions. That's what happens when, and this might help some people, when you literally just look in the mirror at yourself and you see that physical persona, whether it's the persona you give out when you're in public or the persona that you have when you're by yourself or when you're around people that you spend a lot of time with, you have different masks that you put on. Looking in that mirror, looking in the eyes. I mean, that's that's why when people do something wrong, that's why when any of us do something wrong or we think we're not supposed to do something, like when my son does something, he feels like he did something wrong, like he tries to plug something into the wall. And I've told him, no, you can't stick your finger in a plug outlet. You know, he looks down and he gets reserved. I mean, we, it's just a natural thing. We all do that. Um, we're embarrassed and we don't show the eyes because the eye, and that's the real us. And when you look into the eyes, you can see the real person, the real thing. And it's the mirror that reflects out of the darkness, the darkness in the brain, the brain is dark in the body, inside, externally. So in, uh, in, from Egypt to Japan, uh, the mirror was a sacred thing. Um, Amaritasu, and I've seen it also spelled Amaterasu, the Japanese goddess, which is a multi-thousand-year-old story that predates Christianity. She has a mirror. She's in a cave for three days, and her mirror draws light from the darkness of the cavern and reflects it outside of the cave to lighten the world. And she, you know, she brings light and joy and happiness and warmth and all those things that Jesus brings and even Prometheus brings to the world. And it's when we break one of those mirrors, right, that we break the soul, the, the spirit. We break ourselves. And so you don't want to break a mirror. That's a you know, really bad superstition. Um, there are other theories on why that is because mirrors were so expensive in the olden days, right, that they would, they would tell their servants that, you know, if you break this, you'll have bad luck, you'll die, you'll starve, something like that. So it's a very, very bad omen to break a mirror. Plus it's a portal, it's a doorway to somewhere else. And so from these ideas, which stem from psychology, philosophy, I would argue parapsychology, they stem from the myth, all the stuff about the human and what the human is and what consciousness is, all this stuff throughout the ages, way before Carl Jung and, 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 and all that. Uh, this is why the mirror is still a powerful symbol today. It's used, you know, Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass uh, in Stranger Things, Black Swan. Uh, Dracula, and probably one of the most famous uh, scenes in a movie relating to a mirror is when Neo in the Matrix he takes the you know the, the the red pill and he puts his finger into the mirror and it's like liquid right and then the mirror kind of opens up and it swallows his whole body and then Morpheus which is a Greek god um, I always thought this was cool when I learned this I was just like ecstatic I was like that's so cool. Morpheus is a Greek god who takes people. He's like um, Charon uh, on the river Styx that takes people across the river on the boat. 
Morpheus is the god of dreams who takes you through the dream world. So Morpheus takes Neo, which is an anagram for the one, Jesus in a sense, all of us, into the real world from the dream world, and he does it through this mirror. And that's through the red pill. That's how it's done in the Matrix, and you see this in Alice in Wonderland. All these stories, all this symbolism, all of it is just concealed in that one symbol. I think it's really, really incredible And we're going to talk more about this when we come back, including scientists have discovered, according to a number of news articles, scientists have discovered an entirely new state of matter called liquid glass. And that's kind of reminiscent of the uh, the Terminator-style liquid metals that have been developed uh, in 2019 and before. Uh, Liquid metal circuits, liquid metal atomic microchips... Um, so basically creating a liquid terminator, but also be able being able to create these liquid um, structures that are made out of metal or made out of glass that really kind of uh, mirror, if you will, uh, the portal in the Matrix or the portal in Event Horizon uh, that might very well take us like Stranger Things to the Upside Down. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere right here. On the Fringe FM, you can subscribe to our archive to support the show and grab my books all at www.thesecretteachings.info. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, where the normal and paranormal collide. It's the Fringe FM. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. 
Why listen to the Fringe FM? We are your number one source for talk radio the mainstream media won't touch. Joe Root brings you everything occult with Lighting the Void. Ryan Gables shatters paradigms with esoteric knowledge on the secret teachings. Gigi and Cortana explore the inner workings of our reality with Shift Happens. Jess of the Rogue Report brings you years of research to explore the hidden facts behind alternative topics. And myself, Alex Exum of Live Talk, the so-called Joker in the deck. We are The Fringe FM. This is Jess Rogie from the Rogie Report News, and I literally sift through hundreds of articles a week to bring you the best in Fringe News. Check out the Rogie Report News here on The Fringe FM. You can't handle the truth! For all of you who supported the secret teachings in 2020, I want to sincerely say thank you. And to begin 2021, here in the month of Janus, the year of the ox, and the year of revelations, you can still subscribe to our entire show archive while getting access to the montages and all of my digital books, the old and new. You'll also get a free physical copy of one of my books shipped in the United States for free, autographed if you'd like. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe option at the top of the page. You get the archive, montages, digital books, and a physical book for only $40. You can also use this deal to renew your subscription for another year. Use the website or our PayPal email, rdgable at yahoo.com. You can also use this email if you have any questions or to reach out to us for any reason. Your support helps guide the show, the network, and yourself. And we look forward to another year of The Secret Teachings right here on The Fringe FM. Hi, this is Dave Cruz of Beyond the Strange, and you're listening to Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings, right here on The Fringe FM. Join me on a journey where getting lost is the only true destination, where happiness is an illusion. Here, where the past, present, and future all coexist on the same timeline. Welcome. To a future where our true reflection is only revealed once the screen goes dark. Welcome to the darkness. I hope you find it enlightening. This transmission is coming to you from the space between heaven and hell. It's KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Lovely maid I see. Rags cannot hide her gentle grace. Alas, she is more fair than thee. Alas for her. Reveal her name. Lips red as the rose. 
hair black as ebony, skin white as snow. Snow white. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. Tonight, it's Black Mirror Mirror on the wall. The Black Mirror is the means by which it is the portal through which we view a false reality, like the light in Plato's cave projecting shadows on the wall that we believe is the real world, but they are really just projections They're really just reflections, and the real world is outside of the cave. This is a story that's been told in Buddhism. It's been told in mythologies all over the world. That reflection, that false light of Venus. And Venus isn't necessarily a negative thing or a dark thing, kind of like Lucifer, the serpent in Eden. But it is Lucifer cast down to earth by God, or the light of Venus cast down to earth from the great reflector in the sky, the moon. The sun is the real light, the true sun of God. And that way, the, the light of Venus, the first light, becomes kind of like an antichrist. It's an anti-Jesus. It's the false light, the fallen, the reflection, the mirror, the upside down. You see that in Stranger Things. They utilize that pretty heavily, the upside down world or... You see that in the Matrix. That's how Neo, the one, enters into the real world and exits the Matrix. He does it through the mirror, which is a portal. And there are other things that are portals that are really powerful symbols, like the rainbow is a portal, uh, a gateway, a bridge to another world, another dimension. The mirror itself has other qualities that are not necessarily... uh, uh, relating to portals or dimensions, but the mirror itself is a reflection of uh, the subconscious. It's a reflection of the true self and allows us, if we reflect properly, to uh, develop through that reflection the, the proper senses and the proper awareness that allows us to grow as individuals and to progress forward and to become something that, you know, I guess depending on the region of the world or your religious viewpoint or whatever it is you might believe, represents some form of enlightenment or some state of nirvana or some state of heaven. That's kind of the point. And so in movies and TV, a lot of this is summarized by using the mirror as a portal to another world. Um, the black reflector, which is the black obsidian mirror, that was used in the old world and it's still used today. Uh, the black mirror that reflects back those things that which you ask it, uh, the black mirror that reflects uh, future events. Uh, the black mirror is a form of scrying device, uh, which is a word that relates to a magical practice by which we divine the future through this uh, this black obsidian glass or this black mirror. Uh, it could be any reflective surface. You could use metal that's polished to reflect. Um, and summon, if you read some of the grimoires, summon angels and obtain uh, divinatory uh, information from those angels. Uh, you have the black mirrors that were used by some to 
divine uh, their own future or the futures of countries or kingdoms or whatever it might be. And so we see that the mirror has all these different properties. It re- relates to the, you know the, the psyche. It relates to which is also the story of the psyche and Cupid, uh, and the golden ass of a- Apelius, uh, which is the foundation for that that movie, The Emperor's New Groove. Uh, all of this is concealing uh, a deeper meaning, like any symbol, a deeper meaning that is preserved in the subconscious. And understanding these symbols allows us to enter into a new world. It allows us to enter a portal and then pop out in another state, another realm of existence. And we can look at this in a lot of ways. When we disconnect from the black mirrors that project to us the the fake light of Plato's cave, the fake light of Venus, the, the fake light of what we could call Lucifer for all intents and purposes... We disconnect from that, and we can see the world for what it really is. We can see our true reflection. And that's in the sense of, you know, media and propaganda and things like that. That's, that's how we can take this and make it a topical subject. But we can also use the mirror as a portal into other states of awareness and other states of consciousness, which is what the mirror, for me, more so represents. It's a, a portal into another state of consciousness. But a mirror can also be a literal portal, Perhaps, you know, in the Matrix, it's basically it's symbolic of the transition. Uh, The portal in through the looking glass, Alice goes through the portal and she's in the upside down. Things are different sizes and she talks to the caterpillar, right? All of this, which is also represented in Resident Evil, weirdly enough, right? It's Alice and the red dress and the, the red queen and the hive and the Red Queen and through the looking glass and then the White Rabbit in the Matrix. Neo follows the White Rabbit and that takes him out of the rabbit hole. That takes him out of the out of the maze, uh, out of the labyrinth, out of the, the that has no ending or starting point. It's all just a, an illusion. It's all the, the reflection on the walls of Plato's cave. Um, they also did this uh, with uh, kind of an homage to the Mad Hatter in Black Mirror, the uh, Bandersnatch episode of Black Mirror. Uh, very heavily on that symbolism, and there's that scene uh, in Black Mirror where the main he's like uh, it's like a programmer, the main programmer who disappears. I think he disappears. Uh, the main programmer who disappears. He's explaining to this uh, this main character, the main programmer who disappears, explains to the main character that mirrors. He says mirrors let you move through time. Uh, time is a construct. Uh, mirrors are portals. To other places, to other you know, other realms, other dimensions. All this is said and also implied, but it's the mirror that lets you move through time. And we we could speculate, you know, if you've ever watched the movie Event Horizon, right? And uh, there's this warp drive or this uh, this like quantum drive that's developed. And it's put on this this ship called the Event Horizon, which of course relates to the Event Horizon of a black hole, which is kind of an underlying theme of the movie. Because when this this drive is activated, this hyperdrive is activated on the ship, it, it like teleports the ship through a portal, and you find out, you know, not to spoil the movie, but you find out that the the ship basically is taken to hell through this portal, and the and the crew of the ship they all. They commit these horrific acts to themselves and to others. They, you know, they rip out their eyes and they're covered in blood and they rip out intestines. It's very gory, uh, that 
scene and that's seen an image in the movie, but the portal, the black portal, that black mirror used in that way, it takes you to another place. It takes you to um, what we perceive as hell. It takes you to a place where there is there's no joy, there's no happiness. It's just cold and it, it's death. And so they show you that in that movie, but it's a black portal out of a sphere. The black portal opens up and it takes them to hell. So the portal can take you to the real world, as in the Matrix, which could be perceived as a hell. Or it can take you to a more religious-like hell where there is extreme pain and torture and suffering. Or the portal can be used to better understand the world that we come out of and the world that we um, the world that we exist in, and you you can kind of speculate that with technology, which I think is kind of like a techno apple, and the technocrats and the techno beasts, we use this terminology. Uh, the techno apple is being offered to us as a solution to all of our worldly problems. The techno apple is being given to us, and we're being told we can have eternal life and we can we can live forever. Uh, we can get rid of all of our pain, and it, it'll just be a really great place to live when we give up all of our autonomy to machines and to computers, and it'll do all the work for us. And we kind of forget, you know, along the way that, well, it's really the the hardship of life that makes life life. It's really the hardship of life that makes life, I guess you could say, worth living, and that's the kind of the purpose. It's kind of the point. Uh, otherwise, what is the point of living? What is the point of life? If every if every need is taken care of, then it's like we're back in the Garden of Eden, which might sound like a really great thing. We're back in the Garden of Eden. All of our needs are taken care of, but that's all your needs taken care of in a physical sense. And if that's happening, we are trapped. We are we are placed indefinitely in the the Snevitian coffin, where we can be looked at, plugged into machines. We can be looked at and we can be studied. And life might be horrible outside of the Matrix, but in the Matrix we can be essentially whatever we want. I guess depending on what level of deal we make with the agent, right? Whether we choose, we want to be a celebrity, we want to be rich, and we know the steak isn't real, but it just tastes so damn good, right? We know the wine's not real, but it tastes so damn good. And of course, that that scene in the Matrix also kind of represents an unholy Last Supper, the, the eating of the body and the drinking of the wine and the deal made with the devil to sell out humanity, to sell out the soul, to sell out consciousness, to sell out the real world, to sell out all humans, to sell out humanity and do the opposite of what Prometheus did. Um, although Prometheus played two key critical parts, Prometheus awoken like the serpent humanity, but when humanity is awoken, then it leads to desire and it leads to more suffering. And you have those archetypes in Snow White, the magic mirror on the wall that cannot lie, which today our magic mirrors do lie, and they take us into another world, a world of hell and suffering and pain like Event Horizon, just using these movies as examples. Or we can look at maybe a, a TV show like Black Mirror, which relates to technology and the dangers of, 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 of technology in this dystopian future, this dystopian nightmare, and in Black Mirror, uh, in the episode Bandersnatch, which is an interactive episode, uh, there's this this Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass theme. And the main computer programmer says that mirrors let you move through time. They let you move through other dimensions. And so mirrors do allow us to do this with 
our perception of the world through symbols and myth and things like that. But mirrors with the technology could literally become portals. And I'll tell you why I think that. Physicists have observed an entirely new state of matter called liquid glass. Now, the glass that they've, you know, this transition between a solid state of matter and, and, and uh, another state of matter, solid states and, and, and glass, um, this transition uh, is apparently very, very fascinating to scientists because they've discovered a new state of metal, they call it liquid gas, and it exhibits a behavior at the microscopic level that hasn't been seen before, according to the physicists, uh, making it separate from all other previously observed phenomena. Uh, the new state of matter uh, seems to exist between a solid and a, a, a colloid uh, gel-like substance. Um, homogeneous mixtures with particles that are microscopic but still larger than atoms and molecules, making them easier to study. And in this case, tiny, little tiny tailor-made plastic, uh, ellip- uh, I think it's ellipsoidal, ellipsoidal colloids, uh, were created and mixed together in a solvent, and when materials transform from liquids to solids, their molecules usually line up to form a crystalline pattern, pattern, but not with glass. So with glass, it's different, which is why scientists are observing and analyzing this new form of matter. Um, the molecules are locked, and they're frozen in a disordered state. So it's totally different than anything they've observed before. And in liquid glass, the scientists noticed that the... Uh, the colloids were able to move, but they couldn't rotate. They had more flexibility than the molecules in glass, but not enough to make them comparable to regular materials that have already been uh, studied. So I was thinking about this liquid glass, and it reminded me of a story I read back in uh, 2019 in a research paper published in Applied Materials and Interfaces, where they're talking about uh, liquid metal-like uh, gallium, when it's mixed with nickel or iron, uh, it's actually able to be manipulated into different shapes using magnets. So they can literally create things using a mixture of different liquid metals that is very eerily similar to the T-1000 robot in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. So the, the, and this was back in 2019. There were other stories from years that were 2017, 2016, I think. I read one back in 2017. So they're able to create these liquid metals and then literally to shapeshift them. So liquid glass, liquid metals, and then in 2017, there was a story that came out from Seeker and other other, uh, news publications, but it was published originally in the journal Nature Communications, and it describes a technique for creating integrated circuits that are just a few atoms in thickness, uh, a process that could potentially allow microchip companies to manufacture surf, uh, circuit wafers as thin as 1.5 nanometers, uh, considering you know the fact that a standard sheet of paper is 100,000 nanometers thick, these would be 1.5 nanometers, substantially thinner than you know a piece of paper, which is pretty thin to you know to our observation. But this would allow them to create liquid microchips, liquid metal circuits. This is literally the foundation to create a liquid metal robot that can transform based on, I guess, the magnetic uh, interferences into different shapes. Now, I'm not saying that they've created a T-1000 robot, but I'm saying the idea in that movie came from somewhere. And the movie 
and other movies like it sets a foundation for this type of research and or the research sets a foundation for the movie that then comes out and then it progresses the research forward. Uh, regardless of what your opinion on what this is, people say, oh, it's alien technology. I don't think that. I just think it's more advanced. We don't really pay attention to what's being developed in laboratories and universities. But if scientists can develop liquid metal that's malleable and reshapable, and scientists have developed apparently liquid uh, uh, circuit boards and liquid microchips, and they can do this on a nano level, not to mention nanobots and other forms of nanotechnology, you mix this together, quite literally mix it together, and you've got the recipe for uh, the T-1000. You've got the recipe to develop almost like an artificial virtual world that we plug ourselves into. And in a sense, it, it's represented by the, 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 the liquid silver-like, glass-like reflective mirror in the Matrix where we stick our hand into it and it envelops us. But in our case, the mirror isn't taking us out of this world through the reflection of the self and through these fairy tales and stories. This mirror is taking us deeper into the rabbit hole. This mirror isn't taking us into heaven. It's not taking us into a better realization. It's not taking us into a better place. It's not taking us into, into a, to a utopia. It's taking us into a dystopian nightmare. And it's doing so in a in a literal, physical, mechanical, scientific way. Uh, and this is what I call the technological elixir because we think technology is the elixir of life that can save us from all these horrible, painful things. But these are the things that we need to experience or we don't grow. So imagine being trapped in the body and being trapped in the material world and never being able to progress. That is not heaven. That is not utopia. That is one of the worst nightmarish hells that one could possibly conjure up. And we are on the doorstep of that realization through physics and through science. And on the doorstep of that, based on just you know uh, the individual's desire to have trendy gadgets and gizmos, and we're also kind of tricked into it by the false light of, well, social media and the internet and these things can all bring us together and they can but it's not who we really are and it's the true reflection that's who we really are that's only seen when we shut off these false realities that are framing our reality for us within the confines of that frame that we call the black mirror that we look into we gaze into we lose a little bit of who we are we step away we turn it off we might just be able to know thyself a little bit better. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings, and that is the point of The Secret Teachings, to use the symbols and to use the mirrors to transport us to other dimensions and other worlds in the mind, in the body, and in and of the soul. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere right here on The Fringe FM. could listen to this and again you know people say david has no evidence david has no evidence but 
I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on The Fringe FM, and join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's thesecretteachings.info and The Fringe FM. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports the secret teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. For all of you who supported the secret teachings in 2020, I want to sincerely say thank you. And to begin 2021, here in the month of Janus, the year of the ox, and the year of revelations, you can still subscribe to our entire show archive while getting access to the montages and all of my digital books, the old and new. You'll also get a free physical copy of one of my books shipped in the United States for free, autographed if you'd like. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe option at the top of the page. You get the archive, montages, digital books, and a physical book for only $40. You can also use this deal to renew your subscription for another year. Use the website or our PayPal email, rdgable at yahoo.com. You can also use this email if you have any questions or to reach out to us for any reason. Your support helps guide the show, the network, and yourself. And we look forward to another year of The Secret Teachings right here on The Fringe FM. They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then they, the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. It's like you're all working for the same guy. You are hearing the sound between that which is above and that which is below. It's KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Why listen to The Fringe FM? We are your number one source for talk radio the mainstream media won't touch. Joe Root brings you everything occult with Lighting the Void. Ryan Gables shatters paradigms with esoteric knowledge on the secret teachings. Gigi and Cortana explore the inner workings of our reality with Shift Happens. Jess of the Rogue Report brings you years of research to explore the hidden facts behind alternative topics. And myself, Alex Exum of Live Talk, the so-called Joker in the deck. We are the Fringe FM. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out The Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and Talk Stream Live. 
where the normal and paranormal collide. It's the Fringe FM. The truth is out there, and so are we. KTLK Digital Broadcasting, the Fringe FM. This is the Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, the New York Times bestselling author of Crossfire, Rule by Secrecy, Rise of the Fourth Reich, and my latest one, Our Occulted History. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings. think there's one reality but there's loads of them all snaking off like roots and what we do on one path affects what happens on other paths time is a construct people think you can't go back and change things but you can that's what flashbacks are they're invitations to go back and make different choices when you make a decision you think it's you doing it but it's not it's the spirit out there that's connected to our world that decides what we do and we just have to go along for the ride mirrors let you move through time the government monitors people. They pay people to pretend to be your relatives. And they put drugs in your food. And they film you. There's messages in every game. Like Pac-Man. Do you know what Pac stands for? P-A-C. Program and Control. He's Program and Control Man. The whole thing's a metaphor. He thinks he's got free will, but really, he's trapped in a maze, in a system. All he can do is consume. He's pursued by demons that are probably just in his own head. And even if he does manage to escape by slipping out one side of the maze, what happens? He comes right back in the other side. People think it's a happy game. It's not a happy game. It's a fucking nightmare world. And the worst thing is, it's real, and we live in it. It's all code. If you listen closely, you can hear the numbers. There's a cosmic flowchart that dictates where you can and where you can't go. I've given you the knowledge. I've set you free. Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. The music tonight, as every night, is White Bat Audio. Sometimes we play Secession Studios. You can find them both on YouTube by searching the names. This is The Fringe FM. That's the network you tuned into. You can check out the network website, the new one, at fringe.fm or thefringe.fm, our website www.thesecretteachings.info for our full show archive, the montages, my books, top news, and more. It's $40 through the month of January for a one-year subscription, a free copy of one of my books autographed, sent through the post office for free anywhere in the United States. It's free shipping. You'll also get access to the digital books, and you'll get access to the Montage Archive, where you can download and stream all the montages in the same way you can the shows. It's only $40. It supports the show. It supports the network. 
really does support the show and the network more than you know, perhaps more than you know, maybe you do know how much it supports the show and the network, but it also supports you. And I want to thank all of you who did buy a book or you have subscribed. It is uh, what is allowing us to maintain the presence we have on The Secret Teachings and to talk about the things we talk about on this show, whether we are focused more on topical matters that are parapolitical or pop conspiratorial or something that takes us more into parapsychological subjects or anthropology. We can make so much content together because at least the way that I see the world, I, I see things as very interconnected. And I see mirrored reflections of larger things and smaller things and vice versa. And although uh, sometimes when we look at the, the larger things, they might seem daunting or they might seem overwhelming, they might seem like these great beasts or these monsters. And I'm not sure how any of you feel about Frederick Nietzsche but the the famous quote attributed to Nietzsche, he who fights with monsters might take care lest he thereby become a monster. And if he gaze for long, uh, long enough into the abyss or into an abyss, the abyss gazes also into you. I like that quote for tonight's show because we gaze into the black mirror that is our television screen, that is our tablet, that is our cell phone, that is our computer monitor, which is monitoring us like Windows, which is a window into our home or our soul. Bill Gates is basically a digital peeping Tom. And we look at these mirrors, and this is how we derive our view of the world, our reality. They tell us what is the past, what happened in the past. They tell us what's happening now. They'll tell us what's going to happen in the future. And these mirrors are nothing like the mirrors and fairy tales and stories like Snow White or Schneewittchen, the 1812 a German fairy tale published by the Brothers Grimm. That's the original name of Snow White. And that is because these mirrors lie to us. And the mirrors in Snow White are the mirror in Snow White, you know, which was, I don't really like, uh, is it Mike Mike Myers? But in uh, you know Shrek, I don't really like that guy uh, because of his politics. It's just nonsense. The the way that Hollywood's be- is just so political. But I used to like Shrek, and I loved the you know the magic mirror on the wall that gave the that gave Lord Farqua, Farqua Lord Farqua gave Lord Farqua his like three brides to choose from. And uh, that that magic mirror on the wall because they mix together all these fairy tales in, in the story of Shrek, as you know. Um, the magic mirror cannot lie in Snow White. So when the queen says, who is the fairest of them all, the, the mirror has to tell her that the fairest of them all, it's not her, it's the woman with the red lips and the woman with the white skin. She's as white as snow. She's pure. She's very pure. Well, these mirrors can't lie, but our mirrors today do lie. Our modern black my, uh, mirrors like television and phones, etc., as I said, are portals for these artificially constructed, framed realities. And the realities are framed in this intricate, you know, wooden carved or metal carved frame that it kind of looks like if you've seen my book, The Technological Elixir, it's the mirror on the back of the book or the mirror on the front of the book um, that is a gateway or a portal 
Uh, and then I have the black goo on the front of the book, but it's the mirror, this intricate mirror. And that's kind of like a distraction to what's going on inside the mirror. And the black mirror opens up and then it shows us what we can have. It, it shows us um, the abyss. Uh, it's, if you saw, I, I thought they were horrible, just horrible movies, but if you saw the, the, new, the three new Star Wars um, with like Kylo Ren and you know, Rey and all the, all the new characters, and remember when she go, Rey goes to the island and she, you, know, you have Luke Skywalker who's kind of playing the hermit archetype. And it was just, oh my God, it's so poorly written. So poorly written. Like Luke Skywalker's the greatest Jedi ever, but he didn't know he was stuck on the island because of fear. Well, he's the greatest Jedi ever. He should have conquered fear. But that's, a, I'm not a Star Wars geek, but that's just, there's something just horrible. Like, why even make the movie? It's just written so bad. But remember, she's like, she's on the stone and she's meditating and Luke's telling her, you know, what do you see? And the rocks start levitating and she sees this black abyss. She sees the abyss. And he tells her to resist it, resist that abyss, resist that black abyss. And she says it's offering her things, right? Just like uh, Anakin was offered in the, the second set of Star Wars movies, which were also kind of horrific, uh, visually anyway. The story was pretty good. He was offered to have, you know, if his, his, his wife was going to die in childbirth and the Sith were going to give him these magical dark powers to keep her alive and to bring her back from the dead. And the same way that Palpatine was somehow alive in the new star Wars movies. And he was kept alive by this dark science as they called it, this dark black science, black magic, dark science. So the blackness, the darkness shows us what we want. It shows us what we desire. And it is the desire that is the fall of man. When Eve eats of the apple, the desire alerts Eve and alerts Adam to their nakedness. They become conscious. They become aware. So although desire is a downfall, if you will, of conscious existence, it's also a necessary component of conscious existence because if there is no desire, there's no realization. If there is no realization, then there is no consciousness in a sense. You're just a part of the hive mind of, of God, if you will. Um, you're part of, of unity, it's source, it's oneness, it's, 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 the, it's the source with the capital S, it's the all with the capital A-L-L. But when you have desire, you separate. And so in mystic Judaism, the Kabbalah shows you the spheres that move down into, into Malkuth. In Sufism, mystic Islam, or Gnosticism, mystic Christianity, um, I, I admittedly don't know as much about mystic Islam. Uh, I don't know about Sufism as much as I do Gnosticism or uh, Kabbalah or mystic Judaism. I know a lot about Islam, but I imagine if I studied Sufism, I'd find a very similar you know, idea. Uh, like in Gnosticism, if you read the Gnostic Bible, there's a very similar story that this world is a, is a fake false projection. And it's everything that this world, this blackness, this darkness offers us, it's fake. It's not real. It's the fire projecting shadows on the wall in Plato's cave. It's not real. It's the false light of uh, the, the devil and the, the classic uh, rider deck of tarot projecting a torch downward, as Manly Palmer Hall described in The Secret Teachings of All Ages, and which I put in my book, Occult Arcana, that torch reflects the infernal world. 
it, it fills our, our minds with all these, these physical uh, possibilities that we can have, all the desires that we, we develop, that we want these things. We, we, want to, we want to obtain things. We want to possess things. And the more that we possess things, the more the question becomes prominent, or at least it should become prominent, that is it really the possession that we're possessing, or is it the possession that is possessing us? Is it really the thing that we want that we are acquiring, or is it acquiring us? And that's the trick of the devil. That's the trick of Lucifer. That's the trick of the false light. Now, these things I don't think are things that we should immediately dismiss. Like, if you don't have Lucifer, if you don't have the false light, if you don't have the shadows in Plato's cave, if you don't have these, these necessary evils, then there cannot be growth. If, if you don't have the, 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 the reflective ability, then you're not going to be able to see into the past, which provides you with an understanding of how you are going to act in the present in order to acquire a different future which is done through divination, if you remain on the same path, things will remain the way that they've always remained. Because if you always do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you've always got. You have to change the course. So that's why in divination, whether it's tarot or throwing bones or whatever it might be, whenever you draw that card or you throw those bones, it's a projection of the energy in that moment and the will and the intention of what you're asking. That's the magic of it. It's psychology. You can call it whatever, but it's, it's psychology. It's this is the subconscious mind. It's philosophy and psychology more than it is some Harry Potter-like magic, which is a hyperbolic representation of what the will and the subconscious are. And so when you do that, that's the projection of what's going to happen if you stay on that path. So divination can help us by bringing to our realization consciously what's in the subconscious, what we truly desire. And if we can craft desire... To be more like Solomon, if we like Ta, Ta on the potter's wheel in Egypt, the, the creator God, if we can craft our desire to be more like Solomon, where Solomon didn't ask God for money or power or a kingdom or you know uh, carnal pleasures, Solomon asked for wisdom. Solomon wanted to learn. Solomon wanted to know. And Solomon, as the story, various different stories of Solomon, but one of the famous stories that Solomon conquered all of the demons, right? And he put them in these brass vessels, which are interesting because brass is the type of metal they would use in bells in medieval times to ward off evil spirits. The bell was harmony and the vibration was harmonious and it would get rid of the negative vibrations of the dark entities, the dark spirits, the darkness and the cold and all that, like a jack-o'-lantern. So, he put them in these brass vessels and sunk them into the water. So what are the demons? And the demons are the qualities of the self that aren't so great. They're the demons that we are conquering with our actions, which are with our, 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 um, our realizations. And when we do that, we conceal the demon. We kind of like a tumor grows around the, you know, poison in the body. We contain the demon and then we cast it into the water. Now in Christian iconography the the water has become a lake of fire where things burn and we burn things to get rid of them right well the water in this in the solomon story is illusion it's maya which is what what the maya word means it means illusion so it's it's the illusion so it's like peter when he's walking on the water to jesus on the boat and jesus has his hands out and he says come to me peter don't take your eyes off me because jesus is the truth now you don't have to believe in jesus 
It's a symbol. Jesus is the symbol. So Jesus is the symbol of truth. The mirror is a symbol of truth. You look into the mirror, you see your real self. You're looking into Jesus. And when you look away from Jesus, when you look away from the mirror, when you look away from the eyes, when you look away from the soul, the spirit, whatever you want to call it, you start to sink into the water like Peter does. And Jesus, the truth, has to come over and lift you out of the water. It's because you turned away from Jesus. It's because you turned away from God. These are just names that help us to identify these subconscious these um, subconscious and subconscious states of awareness. And that's what magic is. We use tools to help us direct and um, organize our will and our intention. If you just let your brain wander all over the place, some I do that because I try to I try to do it the hard way. But if I was to try to you know organize my brain and my subconscious um, in a more direct way, I would use magical tools to do that. You know, uh, it could be you know your magical dagger, your athame. You you could use your your cup and your wand and whatever it is. If you're a practicing witch or a pagan or a practicing magician, or you, I mean, in other, in other ways, you can do things like I do. I, I use books to concentrate, and I highlight, and that to me is a magical practice. That helps me organize my brain. It helps me to organize desire, and, and the more and more desire you overcome, and the more and more you craft it to obtain the thing that Solomon wanted, and that was wisdom, the more you conquer those demons, the more you cast them into the the, the lake of fire, if you will, or the, the waters of, of Maya, the waters of illusion, and the stronger you become, and when you become stronger in that way, you become more godlike. You become more conscious. You become more aware. And with more consciousness and more awareness, what, of course, comes with that? Well, more suffering, more pain, more loneliness, more, more anguish. And those might seem like really bad things, and in a way they are, but they are necessary evils that the more you learn, the more you grow, the more difficult the hardships become. Just like if you're playing a video game, the more difficult the, the, the bosses become as the levels progress. And that's basically, in, in that sense, that's basically what life is, right? Life is like a game. And the, the, the more difficult it becomes, the more we know that we're progressing through the levels and the more we realize that, well, if we are... are, are well, or truly to put ourselves in control of our own lives rather than projecting it on somebody else, we are able to take up the, 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 the staff of the journeyman and we're able to uh, hopefully uh, from the path of the fool to the hermit uh, become what people refer to as enlightened. Um, you don't have to do it under a Bodhi tree. I think it was a Bodhi tree that Buddha was enlightened under. You have to do it under a tree. You don't have to do it, you know, in some shamanistic ritual. You don't have to do it with, you know, uh, drugs. People do do things with drugs. Okay, fine, ayahuasca or, you know, mushrooms or something to that effect. And, yeah, maybe maybe that plays some some effect But uh, if you do it in the right way. But the way that people have used those drugs are like, like mirrors. They've used the drugs and the sex and the alcohol in magical practices, like when I go to conferences, it's just like groups of people that are so concerned about hallucinogenics and alcohol because they th- and like sex orgies, like Aleister Crowley nonsense, because they think like that's what connects them with spirit. But no, it connects them with the voidness. Like even in, in witchcraft, when witches practice magic, and if they perform the great rite, and they perform a literal great rite, when the high priest and the high priestess have intercourse, 
the rest of the coven leaves the magical circle. They open the circle, they leave, and then they have intercourse, and then they bring the coven back in. They don't do it in front of them like some weird eyes-wide-shut party. That's the perversion of the divine and the sacred sexuality between the masculine and the feminine. And all these things have been perverted by obscuring consciousness and by obscuring the will and by obscuring our, our realization and by projecting these false you know, uh, uh, reflections on the wall like Plato's cave. And when you combine all this stuff together, you start to realize if we're looking on tonight's show, uh, for example, at the mirror, we realize that there are really three things. Three things that prevent us from godliness or more realization, more conscious, the wisdom that Solomon desired. They're known as the three great evils, the trinity of evil, ignorance, superstition, and fear. We look into that mirror, we look into the abyss, and if we are ignorant, we don't realize that what it's offering to give us is an illusion, we will be swallowed up by it. If we are superstitious and we have beliefs in things that, and superstition isn't necessarily a negative thing because it just means left over, but if we have beliefs in things that are beyond um, the divine or outside of the divine or outside of conscious thought and conscious direction, we will be swallowed by the abyss. And if, if more than anything, if we are fearful, not only will we be swallowed by the abyss, but we will strengthen the abyss. We will strengthen that, that, that portal that will grow larger and expand, like in the movie The Fifth Element. The more they attack this black, monstrous uh, evil the larger it grows. And it's also intelligent because it anticipates the, the missile attack in the movie, right? And then, of course, it's represented by black goo. And you see that all throughout Hollywood and the entertainment industry and the music industry. With just a second left, I wanted to mention again that physicists have observed a new state of matter called liquid glass. And a couple of years ago, scientists as published in Applied Materials and Interfaces, designed a liquid metal. And scientists also developed, as published in Nature Communications, the journal, liquid metal circuits and microchips. Combine that together, yeah, you can create a liquid-like Terminator kind of a thing, right? And you can create uh, you know, liquid-like computers and things that move like Lucy, this black goo computer system and connecting it to AI and sprayed an aerosol and smart neural dust and you can connect the entire world or have you know the internet of things the internet of the body put all this together and we're offered this as a solution to all the pain and suffering but all the pain and suffering in the physical world that we ignore and try to put a band-aid over with the technological elixir which is a false solution it is the 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 the, the false solution in plato's cave if you will we we are being offered, in a more topical sense, we're being offered that uh, apple that Snow White was offered, and it's it, it's poisoned. We're being offered the apple from the garden, except this apple won't just make us realize desire, it will create more desire. It will trap us deeper in the material, infernal world. And there'll be more and more false light, but there will be less and less real light. There'll be less sun and there'll be more Venus reflecting off of Jehovah the moon. And so whereas the mirror can't lie 
And the mirror allows us to reflect on ourselves. And the mirror allows us to charge our magical instruments. And the mirror allows us to perform our magical rituals. And the mirror allows us to project our consciousness and will and determination forward and progress and grow. The black mirrors create artificial framed realities. They absorb us in that black pit. The dark side. The dark side of the force, if you will. These black mirrors don't allow us to grow through understanding the subconscious and the symbols and all this. These mirrors that we're being offered, these mirrors, when we take a bite of that apple, that serpent starts slithering around us, take us deeper and deeper into hell. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings. I hope you enjoyed the broadcast this evening. Black mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest of them all? Well, ultimately, it's you who is the fairest of them all. Knowing thyself. Overcoming the three great evils, ignorance, superstition, and fear. If you enjoy this show and you want to support us, support the network as well. It's $40. You can donate through PayPal, rdgable at yahoo.com. You get access to the whole show archive. You get access to all the montages. You get access to all my books digitally on the website. And you'll get a free copy of one of my books, physical, autographed, free shipping in the U.S. It's a big deal to start the month of January. The month of reflection, seen into the past, the present, and the future. The month of Janus, January. It is our Janus-wary special. Go to the website for more information. Email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. Have a good weekend. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Time may be up for tonight's broadcast of The Secret Teachings, but don't worry, you can still catch us Monday through Friday right here exclusively on The Fringe FM. You can also subscribe to the show and montage archive while grabbing my books at thesecretteachings.info. To get in contact with us, you can email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay tuned to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.